And welcome to the ever so exciting Bizarre Encounters. I'm the one, the only hippie Bigfoot Shane, along with the good old spooky ghost. That's me, ghost. <laughs> and uh, today we got a really interesting show for you. Um, one of the people who have been on my show once, hopefully, going to be on there soon, ag- very soon again. Um, but he's a very fascinating gentleman. But before we get into that, we got to do the front of house stuff. So with that, ghost, take it away, my friend. Yeah, don't forget to uh, rate. I don't know. I always hate saying rate. Go give us a five-star, I don't know, hook me up, if you will, but they are called ratings. Go give us a five-star rating and review uh, over at Apple iTunes. Um, If you don't want to do that, you can head over to Spotify and just hit five stars and walk away. Um, even if you don't like the show, leave five stars and uh, tell us what we need to work on. And for the uh, the the bozo that that left a, a bad review or a bad comment, if you really think that, that that's going to really make us lose any sleep, uh, go pound sand. Um, so or, or go live in your grandma's basement. <laughs> if anything, we're just going to make it less amateur around here. We're going to get more professional on your ass. <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, you know, it, not all shows need to be super professional either. Uh, these are supposed to be uh, shows that you tune in, have fun, get some laughs, you know, get some good information and go about your day. So um, other than that, uh, shit, just head over to Telegram, join our Telegram and like us uh, on Instagram. Now, Shane has Facebook and stuff for his uh, inquiries of reality and open mind. Do you have open minds media Facebook? Yep, and I actually do have one for this show, too. So if you are on the other side and you don't have Instagram, we do have a Facebook set up for Bizarre Encounters also. Now, I personally, I don't have Facebook. Um, I just have Instagram for my show and, uh, obviously, Bizarre Encounters. Uh, but hit us up with a DM if you have uh, have any Bizarre Encounters of any kind. It doesn't even necessarily need to be cryptid. Just hit us up and, uh, you know, maybe we can get you on the show. And if we don't... Um, you can have a fun conversation in the process. Exactly. More than likely, I'm usually the one watching it, so you'll probably be talking to me. But we'll have a fun conversation. Yes. So don't don't hesitate to shoot us a message. Exactly. Um, but if you do want to be on the show and you don't want your voice known, Shane has the technology to disguise your voice, so you don't have to worry about that. And uh, yeah, so like I said, hit us up on on Instagram, Facebook, all the social medias, Telegram. Hey, we're there. We're ready to 
interact with you fine folks out there in the bizarre world. And if you uh, just can't quite get enough of us, uh, we do have the Open Minds Media Patreon set up um, going on in the future. I keep saying it, but I need to send Ghost the episode, so you should be able to get early access to Bizarre Encounters on My Third Eyes Patreon. But we do have the Open Minds Media Patreon. Uh, that one, we also do have uh, Bite Size Bizarties, which is like my little mini offshoot solo show of this, I guess you could say, if you guys want to go and check that out. It's pretty, uh, I don't know, I enjoy doing it at least, so hopefully you guys enjoy listening to it. And uh, if you want to donate to us in general to, you know, keep the lights on in both of our studios over here, uh, you can donate on Anchor. That's our RSS host. Um, you know, just go to the link tree and click on listen, and then you'll go to uh, to Anchor. And yeah, if you want to donate, you can donate there. Um, if you want to get some awesome merchandise, uh, we have Bizarre Encounters merchandise available on the uh, Open Minds Media merch store. Uh, there you will also find um, anything that's under the umbrella of Open Minds Media. So my other couple shows that I do. Um, if you want to go and get some My Third Eye merch, also there is a My Third Eye Teespring. Um, you will be, you should be able to find that off of the Linktree links. I believe that uh, Ghost does have that on his Linktree too. Correct? Yes, yes, I yeah, do. So if you guys want to go and get get some merch on his side, uh, that's also available. Um, say and uh, definitely, we got to give a shout out to our boy. So with that, Ghost, tell 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 him a little bit about how awesome our boy Joe is over there, crypto theology. Yo, Joe, Joe's the Joe's the legit shit over there. Um. He, he runs Crypto Theology, and we just announced um, our first winner uh, for uh, the contest that we did back in November. And, you know, shout out to uh, Leon and whoever he decides to give uh, a shirt to for whoever his friend is. Um, you know, so, yeah, make sure you go over, hit him up, and uh, go get some awesome merch, some cool T-shirts. I know uh, Shane's been uh, rocking some. And love seeing the pictures that he posts on uh, Instagram. So, and with that, all the links that we described are all available on our link tree. So go and check that out. L i n k t r period e e slash bizarre encounters. And with that, welcome to the show, Denver Michaels. How's it going today? Hey, good man. It's good to uh, be back talking to you again. Oh yeah, definitely. And uh, for anybody that hasn't listened to uh, your pe- previous interview on my personal show, uh, why don't you kind of give them a rough idea about who you are and what you do? Yeah, I'm basically uh, I'm an author. I uh, write about cryptids, uh, paranormal topics, pretty much anything weird and unexplained. Um, I also, uh, I guess, is a little bit different. I kind of travel around the country full time in an RV, so. Uh, I guess that kind of sets me apart from from a lot of folks, and uh, yeah, I mean that's basically it. I uh, always tell people I, uh, you know, don't really have any type of credentials or anything. I'm just some dude that uh, writes about weird stuff, basically. So, uh, what are some of the, like your biggest things that you've been fascinated with as far as like traveling? Like, what what are what are you drawn to the most? Is it like the cryptid aspect, the paranormal aspect, like the UFO aspect? maybe even hidden history? Yeah, I mean, well, really for me, uh, you know, b- before I even, you know, get into any, any of that weird stuff, I mean, for me, the, really the greatest joy of uh, traveling is um, experiencing um, a lot of the wild uh, places in the country, right? Uh, you know, wilderness, uh, nature. I mean, you know, don't mean to sound like a tree hugger here, but you know, nature <laughs> is really, you know, being, you know, being out in the woods, uh, you know, even if there's no, uh, 
scripted or, or weird stuff at all is is really just uh, something I've always uh, been passionate about. So so being able to explore these things in the country is, is just really been a lot of fun. But, you know, to your point, I mean, everywhere you go, it seems like there's, uh, you know, there's the local cryptid sightings. There's, uh, you know, there was a rash of UFOs that, that went by at, at some point or, you know, there's ghost towns. There's just all kinds of weird stuff wherever you go. So you can you, you can you can find anything you're looking for basically anywhere in the country. So kind of getting into like the cryptid side of stuff, because that always fascinates us as far as this show and stuff goes. Um, what are some of the ones that uh, you have found that may not be commonly known, but you found really interesting? Well, you know, a, a lot of your, uh, gosh, I mean, a lot of your lakes all over the uh, all over the U.S., you know, they've got their own you know, lake monsters. I mean, everybody knows about the Loch Ness monster and, you know, to a lesser extent in the U S uh, champ or up in Canada, the Ogo Pogo. But I mean, there's just, gosh, I, I don't even know how many, uh, lake monsters there are, or, you know, and, and a lot of these, uh, a lot of these old, uh, sightings and things go back and, you know, maybe like back in the forties was the last one and you don't really hear about them anymore, but, um, you know, all over the U S there's just all kinds of, uh, lake monster stories. Um, you know, one of the ones that kind of fascinates me and, you know, probably most of your people out on the East coast or, uh, Midwest that, um, you know, unless they're really into lake monsters, they probably hadn't heard of the, uh, flathead lake monster out in Montana, but you know, there's, there's tons of sightings, um, you know, from there. And there's just, uh, I mean, it's, it's just all over. It's really fascinating how many water monster, lake monsters, river monster type uh, tales are uh, spread out all over the U.S. So especially with like the lake monsters too, it's one of those things that even if you're constantly searching the water, there's so much area for things to move around in that <clears throat> I feel like there's a lot more. Uh, I'm not saying I don't believe like, of course, I believe in like Sasquatch and things like that, but there's a lot more area for giant lake monsters to hide. So it would make sense for the size that they are. And to still not be found at this point, especially if they're uh, lakes that have weird little caverns, different little caves underwater, too. Like, there's more than enough places for things like that to hide. Well, well, and that's that's uh, what has always drawn me to, um, you know, to that particular uh, uh, type of cryptid. Um, you know, I, I think that out of all of the, the cryptid creatures you, you, you have out there, I think, you know, the lake monsters, um, you know, sea serpents, river monsters, you know, I, I just kind of like, kind of sort of kind of like lump them all in, you know, but the point being that, um, there's just so much water, so much area out there that, that to me, this is the most likely cryptid to exist and exist as, as a flesh and blood animal, right? With your, with your Bigfoot reports, uh, you know, you get a lot of high strangeness, uh, you know, with, with that. And, you know, a lot of people, uh, in the cryptozoology community don't really like to get into that, but, you know, there is a lot of that high strangeness, but not so much with the, 
you know, with, with the lake monsters. I mean, there, you know, there are some scattered stuff. Like if you read, uh, you know, Ted Holliday's Goblin Universe and, and an earlier book he wrote, the, the name escapes me now. You know, I mean, there is a little high strangeness, uh, with some of the, uh, Loch Ness monster stuff, but I, I'm, I'm just kind of painting with a broad brush here. But by and large, you know, you don't so much get that with the, uh, you know, with the lake monsters and, and you, you know, when you combine, you know, just how vast a lot of these lakes are. I mean, you go up on Lake Champlain. I mean, you know, it's, it's God, it's, it's like, uh, what, like 180 miles long. I mean, it's, I mean, it's huge and it's deep, mm-hmm. you know? So, I mean, there's, there's plenty of room for these things to hide. And, uh, I, I definitely think that there could be a population of these things. If there was one specific lake monster that you, no doubt in your mind, or, you know, pretty close to that, at least fully believe it fully exists. And there's nothing that has been against it. Uh, which one would it be for you? Well, you know, I, I would, um, I think I would say champ, um, you know, up on Lake Champlain, just because of the, uh, the number of sightings. I mean, I want to say that there's, you know, like around 600 documented sightings and, and, you know, for every documented sighting, I mean, there's, there's, there's five or 10 that aren't, I mean, not everybody, you know, that sees, uh, something like that, uh, reports it to anyone. So, I mean, it's just incredible, um, you know, how many of those reports there are, how far they go back. And, and like I said, with a lake that size and, uh, you know, with those depths and, and you mentioned, uh, like underwater caverns, that that's kind of a hallmark of a lot of these, uh, you know, lakes that are uh, said to hold lake monsters. A lot of them are rumored to have these, you know, these cavern systems where these things can hide and, and even, you know, travel between lakes. So, um, yeah, to me, it's just, uh, Champ is a really good one with uh, with all the reports. Uh, probably second, you know, maybe you'd say, uh, you know, the the Ogo Pogo up in uh, up in British Columbia. I haven't been out on the, uh, you know, uh, Okanagan Lake, but it's it's got a lot of the same, um, you know, the same characteristics as, as Lake Champlain, and you know, again, you know, just tons and tons and tons of uh, documented reports and, and things like that. Say, I know that last time we talked, you said you uh, do a little bit of traveling into like South America and that you've been fascinated with the uh, lake monsters down in South America also. Um, what are some of like the ones from South America that you find the most fascinating? Well, for me, uh, what really, uh, um, what really kind of fascinated me about South America is like uh, where you're uh, the bulk of your, you know, actual typical, I would say typical with air quotes, uh, uh, lake monster sightings. You know, they're from down, uh, you know, down in like Chile, Argentina, where where they have sort of similar, um, similar glacial lakes, uh, you know, that where you have most of your reports, uh, you know, in Europe and, uh, you know, the U.S. and Canada. And, you know, there's, uh, there's several down there um, that, you know, very... Very similar. Um, I, I'm not real good, good at pronouncing some of those lakes, so uh, you'll have to you'll have to excuse me. But you know, you've got uh, you know you've got a uh, a nicknamed uh, Patagonian plesiosaur. You know that's uh, spotted on you know pretty frequently. Not like uh, not like you'd have a champ or anything. You, you, and um, you know, and and some of those lakes, uh, 
you know, high up in the Andes there, you know, you have those um, kind of nesty like uh, creatures reported. And so that's kind of fascinating. The, the other thing in South America that really kind of fascinated me was, um, uh, you know, the uh, as you move like through the jungles and, and those type of places, you don't really get the same, you know, lake monster, uh, you know, uh, reports like like we have here, you know, like champ, but what they do have, you know, they've got those tales of giant anacondas, um, you know, um, dinosaurs, just all kinds of weird stuff like that, that, uh, you know, really, uh, really intrigues me. Especially in South America too, in the Amazon and things like that with, uh, you know, there's a bunch of cities that are completely lost. So imagine how many different species of animals are probably hidden within that jungle that people have, even ancient people may not have ever even seen, especially if it's something that is good at camouflage or hiding itself. Yeah. And, you know, that was one of the things, um, I, I, I was down in Peru in, uh, 2016, um, and I actually, actually went to one of those, um, eco lodges it's uh i mean it's like from the nearest town it's like a it's like a four hour boat ride i mean one of those little skinny boats like a four hour boat ride and that's with the current you know going back it's like an hour longer you know there's no roads there's no you know there's no um airports or it's, it's just so vast and, and so isolated and you know when you're you know when you're in that jungle and you know, like underneath that tree canopy. I mean, I defy you to tell me that, uh, you know, virtually anything could not be, could not be hiding in there. It's, it's just, it's just incredible. And, you know, I, I understand that there's, you know, been a tremendous amount of habitat loss and, and, and that sort of thing, uh, in the, in the Amazon and, you know, over in, um, you know, like Paraguay, but, I mean, there's there's just still just so much uh, land. Uh, it, it's just crazy. Can, uh, it's it's just like um, you, you can't you, you know I can't you can't really put it into words. You know, it's just something you you have to see and experience. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think damn near anything could be lurking in there. Uh, do they have tales of uh, little people down in uh, South America like they do up here? Yeah, there there are you know I ha it's not something I've looked into real closely, but yeah, there are uh, some of those tales down there, and um, really in in Central America, there, there's there's a whole lot of those stories in Central America. I'm I'm a little more familiar with those than, than the ones in South America, but uh, yeah, I think that's sort of. Um, I think that's almost uh, universal. I mean, I, I think we you I know. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we might have a whole lot more of them, in, in, you know, in, in the U.S., um, or, or maybe it's just that, uh, you know, I'm, it's a lot easier for me to, you know, to pick up a book and read about it in English than it is to, in Spanish or this or that. But uh, I, I do know that, yeah, that's, uh, that's something that they do have. Going into, like, Central America then, uh, since you say you have a little bit more uh – knowledge as far as like small people go there uh what are some of the most fascinating like stories of small people that you found for central america well i think uh um there are a lot of tales of um you know the aztec and the maya that uh, you know that have the little people uh tales and you know i guess what's kind of fascinating about them is they're um you know i'm certainly not an expert on on this subject but they're they're very similar 
you know, to what you hear about, uh, like in, in some of the Cherokee tales or, or Iroquois tales, you know, they're these little people that, um, you know, just sort of have these, uh, almost supernatural abilities. If, if that makes sense, they, um, you know, sometimes they're, they're, they're sort of like trickster type characters and, um, you know, uh, they, uh, it's kind of weird, like uh, like like in some of the the Native American tales, like you can actually um, you can actually like, and, and I, I'm not really sure how this works, but you could actually like um, kind of um, ha- put one of them to work for you, right? Like like have them, you know, kind of do stuff around your house or, or or babysit your kids. But you know, like like I said, there a lot of times they're kind of like have the trickster quality so they they might you know start uh messing with the kids or, or pinching them that sort of thing uh, you know i'm I'm not sure you know exactly how close they are with the cherokee tales i know like a lot of the you know the cherokee stories they do not like for you to you know like discover like where they live or 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 things like that like um you know like a person if they you know, heard the little people drumming or dancing and went and, you know, like sort of spied on them or checked them out, you know, they could like drop dead or, or get sick and, you know, months later die, that sort of thing. I'm not, I'm not too sure, you know, if it, if it's sort of the same way down in Central America, but I, you know, I imagine that, that they're probably pretty similar. Say it's kind of one of those things too that even like when you bring up like puckwudgies and stuff like they uh they lure you but it's more so out of it being a trickster factor more than anything like they're not necessarily here to kill anybody but if you die in the process of their joke or whatever you want to call it like they they don't really care but they're not really yeah. inherently like good or evil you know yeah it, it, yeah it's kind of weird and you know it's like and you know like sometimes. Uh, you know, let's like sometimes they'll they'll actually do do something to help you. I mean, there there's a Cherokee stories like um, you know, like during the Civil War, you know, the Cherokees were you know were sort of aligned with the uh, with the Confederacy, and there was a there was a battle. And I believe it's down in North Carolina way where the uh, some way I, I, I you know I, I read so much of this stuff it sort of gets convoluted sometimes. But you know, the little people, you know, kind of help them win the battle essentially or, or skirmish um and, and but then on the other hand you know you have these uh these, these little people that that will make kids die you know it's it's like it's like what the you know like, like you read the story you know like it's like a little 12 year old boy or something dying just because he you know like um, spied on them or, or 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 spoke of them when he wasn't supposed to so it, so it's really weird i don't um yeah, that that whole trickster uh, deal is kind of uh, kind of bizarre and you know, it's sort of sort of troubling if you really think about it. It almost makes me wonder too. Like, sorry, ghost. What we were expecting this? Why why why'd you stop? You know what I mean? It's like, we like offerings as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like uh, people leave uh, like little gifts for them, things like that, and um, yeah, yeah, they they do. You know, you really have to be careful to show them respect. But on the other hand, I mean, they, uh, you know, they're 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 offended very easily. I mean, it's like it's like you could make them mad, and it's like 
you not even know about it. <laughs> and then like you get sick and die. It's just, it's, it's kind of terrible. Cause you hear people that leave offerings for them. And then when they stop is when the, the bad trickster part comes out in the, the, the little people. It's like, yo, we were expecting this. Why, why, why'd you stop? You know what I mean? It's like, sorry. I almost make, it almost makes you wonder too, if uh, it's, not necessarily that they uh, they see it as like killing kids, but uh, if they're little people, if they kind of just look up at all of us, like they like they don't have like a way of differentiating age, or they just see all of us as being bigger than them, so they see all of us as kind of like fair game, like they treat everybody equally, kind of a thing. Well, that could be, you know, that that, that could very well be. I mean, like uh, you know, like a hunter out in the woods. I mean, you know, killing small game, right? He he might shoot a squirrel or something, but. You know, he doesn't know if it's a year old or two years old. I mean, yeah, it could be could be kind of the same deal, so something like that, that we're just, um, you know, just something totally different than, than them. And, uh, you know, they don't look at us the same way that we look at us. I mean, that's possible. So uh, kind of staying still somewhat on the cryptid conversation, uh, what are some of the most uh, fascinating cryptids that you found as far as like on land goes or, you know, like personal favorite, like land cryptids? Well, land cryptids, I mean, um, you know, of course, uh, I mean, of course, Bigfoot always comes to mind. I mean, I guess, uh, Bigfoot's, uh, you know, pretty popular and kind of, I don't know if there's a lot I can really add about Bigfoot, but, uh, one of the things, probably the most fascinating thing to me is the, um, the idea that, um, you know, like in the, in the East coast and the Appalachians that, uh, you know, that mountain lions did not die off, but there'd always sort of, you know, sort of been a remnant population, you know, and a lot of people, you know, with all the evidence kind of coming forward these days that, you know, sightings and things, a lot of people, you know, believe, okay, sure. You know, you've got Western Pumas, um, you know, migrating east and I, I certainly think that that has happened but i've always kind of believed that um you know that there's always been pockets of mountain lions um you know in in, in the appalachians and um you know when back when i was still living in virginia you know before i before i hit the road that was one of the things that i really uh you know kind of kind of spent a lot of time you know, out in the woods, uh, trying, trying to investigate, you know, because, uh, you know, for me, the cool thing about that is, um, you know, nobody, uh, you, you don't have to prove the existence of mountain lions, right? I mean, we, we freaking know that, <laughs> that they're alive. So that, that kind of gets that burden of, of, of proof away. And it's just a matter of, you know, trying to document if, um, you know, if there is uh, still a viable population around, I mean, which is no picnic because, um, you know, uh, there's doesn't seem to be a lot of them, but I mean, they're, they're definitely around there. I mean, I can remember back in the you know early nineties before, um, you know, before you really started having these, uh, documented Western Pumas, um, you know, over here, uh, you know, my grandfather would, would tell me stories, uh, you know, about when he was a kid and, uh, you know, they, they would, they would see these things and even talked about, uh, you know, black cats. And, you know, of course there's not supposed to be any, you know, black colored mountain lions, but, uh, you know, those tails are there and, um, 
you know, I've, I've always tended to believe them. I mean, it could even just be a pigment thing as far as the black ones go that, um, you know, there may have only been maybe like one or two that actually ended up having that pigment issue, but it still created a giant series of legends based off of it. Well, you know, and they say that the uh, the melanistic trait that it's it's uh, I guess scientifically it's it's never been observed in uh, mountain lions. I mean, it has like in leopards, um, you know, and they say I don't know what they say, like maybe like five uh, percent of leopards i think might have a you know melanistic trait but um they say that that's never been observed in in mountain lions but i don't as far as i know it i mean it's not impossible so i've always believed that those black cats you know i always thought that there were just these you know like little remnant pockets in the in the real remote areas in the mountains and I don't know, maybe like real close inbreeding in these uh, populations might have, um, you know, some way brought out a, a melanistic gene. Because, you know, when you have the real close inbreeding, you know, there, there's been like populations that get like these weird little kinks in their tails and this and that. So maybe, uh, you know, maybe the, uh, the, the, the black cats are a real thing that, uh, you know, just sort of. Uh, come about like that maybe i don't know yeah i know a couple uh was it two summers ago um i live in central pennsylvania and maybe not even 15 20 minutes away in another little town and it's an area that my wife and i uh frequently hike uh there was mountain lion spotted and um also recorded of killing someone's horse and what have you and it's like then you have, you know, the game commission, they don't exist. Well, bullshit, they do. You know, everybody sees these things, you know what I mean? Like, well, they they live in New York. Well, they don't know borders. Yeah, (laughs) right. It's like it's like borders or some, you know, or just uh, imaginary lines that politicians draw. I mean, you know, animals don't care about that. And and you're and, you know, like a lot of states, they're. uh, are a little more open um than you know you know about this issue like um you know my uh my home state down in virginia i mean they they might have changed their tune a little bit now I, I don't think they have but um at least um you know a couple years ago i mean they, they had like right on the uh you know, the, the fish and wildlife uh, website, you know, mountain lions do not live in Virginia. And it's like, well, yeah, they do. I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's, there's, like you said, people are catching them on game cameras and, and, you know, and then every time they ask for proof, you know, people send them pictures of tracks and game cameras. Well, they'll move the goalpost then, you know, anything to just kind of, you know, just just not come out and say it. And I guess I kind of get it because, you know, I guess you don't want to. You, you know how some people, they'll they'll sort of like panic. They'll be oh, is it safe to put the kids on the school bus if we got lions in, in the mountains? You know, some people are going to kind of panic and, you know, maybe they don't want to deal with that. Or, you know, you, you get uh, if they come out and admit it, you know, maybe they're afraid they're going to have a bunch of uh, farmers, um, you know, trying to get compensated for, for wildlife. I, I don't know, but, um, you know, I, I think um, 
Tennessee, they're they're a lot more open to the idea than than, than Virginia is, and uh, I, I think North Carolina, you know, just right across the border, they're they're kind of like Virginia. They kind of shut down any any discussion of uh, of, of uh, you know the uh, mountain lions over in the mountains there. So, yeah, it's uh, it it kind of baffles me though with all the with all the proof that's come out how uh, how a lot of these game commissions keep denying it. Yeah, and, and then you have a university in Pennsylvania that is named after one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there couldn't possibly be any. <laughs> so uh, kind of branching it off into a little bit of different stuff, um, we definitely like to hit the paranormal and the alien stuff here. So to start off, we'll kind of get more into the paranormal aspect of things. Uh, what are some of the most fascinating paranormal tales or experiences that you've heard about um, in your travels? Well, uh, you know, I really one of the uh, you know one of the first um, uh, places that I was able to uh, travel. Um, you know, once me and the wife started uh, started RVing full time, uh, we. I guess, uh, yeah, we spent a couple weeks in Kentucky. So, you know, we visited a little town there, Hopkinsville, where the, uh, I guess in 1955, a lot of your listeners are probably familiar with the tale, but they call them the Hopkinsville Goblins, you know, where the uh, Kentucky family, uh, you know, for lack of a better description, kind of had a shootout with, with these little green men one night. It's just kind of a kind of a bizarre story, but it was, um, you know, the actual site of the encounters on private property. But there's a, there's a little park, you know, about a maybe about half a mile from there. And anyway, in the park, they got this just this enormous like ufo just kind of like out in the middle of the grass it's kind of cool and you know you got some you, you got some yeah you got like some little <laughs> signage in town that uh, kind of pays tribute to it so that that was kind of a that was a kind of fun little thing there and um and you know and not far from there um we stayed um in the uh, land between the lakes and i don't know if this would really fall under cryptids or paranormal or whatever, but you know, there's those, there's those tales of, um, you know, like, um, the monster of the land between the lakes, like a supposed dog man, um, that, that lives there. And, and there's some pretty bizarre stories from there that, uh, you know, there's, there's even a tale where, uh, where a dog man, uh, you know, like killed, a you know, a family that, that was like sleeping out in a camper, like back in the eighties. And, and I think that now there's a guy that, uh, has been doing some podcasts. It's a supposed survivor of, of that. I don't, um, I don't really get into, you know, what I think about all that stuff, but the point being that there's, uh, you know, there's a sort of a long history of those, uh, dog man tales down in, uh, land between the lakes and, um, you know, all kinds of crazy stories. They say that there's, uh, like old bunkers in the woods where, uh, where the army was, was trying to, um, you know, capture or kill you know, this dog man that's running around. I mean, I, I was stomping around in the woods quite a bit. I didn't see any old bunkers or, yeah. Or, uh-huh. you know, any signs of any dog, man. But, you know, I mean, hey, who knows? Oh, yeah, yeah, true. 
say being a Michigander too, I definitely like getting into uh, the Dogman stuff. So uh, kind of building off into the Dogman thing, it seems like uh, it's a, the more aggressive species of Dogmen are in, that are in this area. Um, are there legends that kind of go with it as far as like with the bunkers that it may not have been that they were trying to necessarily like trap them, but maybe they were possibly like creating Dogmen and they somehow possibly got out of these bunkers? Well, there's all kinds of... Well, hang on. Before we, Shane's just trying to brush over the fact that our last episode we kind of covered the the alien thing that we we were just talking about. Oh, really? And I right out the yeah, and I was like right out the I'm like 100% UFO alien, and, and Shane comes up with this theory, you know, like he always does. You, I got to win on that one, bro. <laughs> I got to win on that one, and you're just like yeah, uh huh, whatever. No, I mean I, I ended that one too, also saying alien, but I did. I uh, entertained oh, yeah, the idea yeah, about uh, Native American legend about these little gray people that had giant elongated heads and things that they would see running around in the woods in that area, too. Um, so I just more so entertained the idea that it could theoretically be related to that. And I mean, even the Native American lore, if it's a spot where these things have been before, they could have been extraterrestrial to begin with, with the Native American lore, and then they just put their own name on it, and it became more like a natural-based cryptid, but it may have been something extraterrestrial to begin with. Yeah, or, I don't know, maybe maybe uh, aliens and all these paranormal creatures are all just the same thing, and who knows? <laughs> and like, like kind of like the John Keel thing, you know, maybe they're all like, ultra terrestrials like including bigfoot you know maybe they're you know maybe the only cryptids are like what i'm talking about like with the mountain lions and you know maybe uh maybe a few uh maybe a few of those uh, lake monsters are real but probably some of those might even fall into that ultra terrestrial deal too i i don't know i i don't uh I don't really get real hung up these days on trying to figure out any answers. I kind of, I kind of used to, I was kind of used to be kind of driven like, man, I really wish I could get to the truth of some of this stuff. But nowadays I'm like, I don't know if we're ever going to find out anything about this stuff. I just kind of, kind of along for the ride. And I, I sort of like the mystery of it all. Collecting all the stories along the way. That's what it seems like <laughs> you kind of do. Yeah, pretty much say i uh, i've read a few of your books now too and i find it fascinating that it's not like you just cover like aliens cryptids things like that you kind of just do all around just like any kind of weird things or stories that you happen to find in the in these areas so i mean just for the sake of it also um even if it isn't related to any of those three topics like what are some of like the like weird most interesting just little random things you found just traveling around the country Oh God, man, that's that kind of puts. <laughs> uh, that, uh, yeah, that that sort of put. I mean, for me, uh, some of my yeah, I mean, some of my favorite things really, um, you know, just just traveling around the country is just. Um, I guess really some that the ancient sites really fascinate me because I mean I think in a lot of ways uh, some of these things might kind of tie in like like with some of the stuff we're talking about and and I guess specifically uh, what I'm talking about is a lot of these petroglyph sites out west uh, that you go to it seems like every seems like gosh when you're traveling out west um, you know especially out in the desert I mean if you can find like 
just some isolated rock pile there's going to be petroglyphs on it it seems like and 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 you know some of them are your run of the mill you you can tell they look like sheep or you know which would you know that would make sense right there's a big horned sheep climbing around on these rocks some of them look like deer but man some of these things are just freaking crazy to look it's like some of them are, i mean they're they're almost scary looking they they look like aliens i, I i'm not kidding they they got these like weird heads and weird bodies and it just really that sort of thing like really makes me wonder you know what the heck um these people were seeing back then and 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 what they were trying to say you know that that's always that's always fascinating to me and you know and and traveling around man like um you know, like out in Utah and stuff, you'd be out on some uh, uh, BLM land out there, man. And there's just like, there's just all these perfectly preserved dino, uh, dinosaur tracks just, you know, in the rocks. I mean, it's it's really cool. It's just, yeah, I mean, it just, that I, I can't get enough of stuff like that, man. You just, uh, you know, hiking on this trail, go up on top of a mesa. And, you know, there's like a, a 30 yard track where a, you know, where a dinosaur had walked across there at some point in time. I mean, stuff like that just blows my mind, and I, I, I can't get enough of it. Have you, uh, have you been to the Grand Canyon? Yeah, uh, I didn't really get to spend as much time there as I wanted to, but I, I did uh, did head over there back um, about a year and a half ago. I was out that way. Okay. What, what are your thoughts of the... Uh the ancient uh, Egyptian relics that have been found down in, in the canyon and now uh, being guarded by government officials and, and, you know, people aren't even allowed to go there now. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things. I, uh, you know, there, there, there's no way you can prove it. And, and especially, like you said, that that land is is off limits. You're, you're not going to get there to prove it. Uh, but um, I absolutely think it's true, man. I really do. I think that, um, and and this this is something I've written about, touched on a little bit in some of my books. I absolutely believe that there were um, any number of cultures visiting the Americas way before Columbus. I mean, and I I just don't understand why this is so hard for people, right? I mean. You know, if the the Polynesians can can jump in canoes and and paddle to Hawaii two thousand miles, right, and settle Hawaii, but nobody yeah. could have could could have you know come you know like the Romans or the Phoenicians or Vikings, you know, like couldn't have come to American shores. I mean, I mean, it's it's like stupid to think that, that and, and that doesn't take anything, and I, that doesn't take anything away from the Native American cultures. It's just saying that, you know, that there were uh, exchange of ideas between different cultures, trade, that sort of thing. And I just don't understand why this is, um, you know, why there's so much pushback to, to this thing. And, you know, to, to kind of, uh, go along with with what we're saying like about those egyptian uh artifacts um kind of going back to some of the petroglyphs that i was talking about and um i in in vernal utah um there's a place it's it's called uh, mcconkey ranch and 
it's private, but they'll let you go there for five bucks. And you can you can go all along the ranch, look at all the petroglyphs. They got all of these humanoid uh, petroglyphs all over these rock walls, and it's clear just from the the way that these you know the 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 figures that i mean they look egyptian they look a thousand percent egyptian and to me that really lends a lot of support to the idea that you know not too far away down in the grand canyon that there was um you know an egyptian civilization there at one point in time saying there's a lot of reference in native american lore to people being there before they were and from what I was hearing, too, there was a lot of uh, like when the white settlers started coming, they were asking like how random little like rock formations things got there. And they were pretty much would tell them that they weren't the first people there. So if you're looking back into like Egyptian culture and considering that we still don't even know how old Egyptian Egyptian culture is, like who knows where they could have branched to or where they could have branched from. Like Egypt may not have even been the first place that they even were originally. They could have been in the Grand Canyon area and then, you know, migrated to a totally different area. And uh, kind of building off of kind of what you were saying, too, with uh, it, it's not out of the the idea of thought for bigger cultures to be able to travel if smaller cultures are able to travel. Yeah. I, and uh, <laughs> going into the Egyptians moving giant rocks to begin with hundreds of miles, like they shouldn't have had any problem moving themselves thousands of miles. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's yeah, it's it's just it just blows my mind that uh, that people are are, are, are so um you know, just so uh, opposed to these ideas. I mean, when it when it just seems obvious. I mean, you know, I, I think it's obvious that uh, that the Irish, you know, that um, you know, like around 500 A.D., you know, they were they were up in Canada and you know fishing along Newfoundland and and uh, you know it's, it seems like the Vikings. I mean, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of reason to believe that they, uh, you know, went much further into uh, into America than than uh, and, and has been claimed. And yeah, I mean, I just I just what, really what? never understood, you know, what what the big deal is. Uh, but you know, these guardians of the orthodoxy, they just will not. Um, they they just won't have it. <laughs> They're not going to have it. I, I think <laughs> they've, uh, you know, anything that supports these ideas, it's uh, automatically written off as, as frauds or fakes, even though, um, you know, they can't prove it's it's. You know, these things aren't genuine, uh, but they they write them off as frauds, and uh, I I uh, I don't understand what the what the big deal is really. Yeah, and you you look at Minnesota, uh, huge huge proof that Vikings were there. I mean, not just with their football team, but like <laughs> even landmarks and everything else. It's like, hello, you know, yeah. come on, you, you know, they know it, they know it to be true. But yet, nope, just Columbus, just, yeah, just good yeah. old Chris. Yeah, yeah, just Columbus, and uh, yeah, it, 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 it's really, it's, it's really baffling, and, uh, but, uh, yeah, there's, uh, there's just all of those stories, and I mean, um, some other interesting things, uh, you know, like, like these petroglyphs that I was talking about. There's one where one of the figures is is like holding a boomerang. Which, well, that's kind of weird. That's that's not to say that you know, none of the Native Americans had boomerangs, but certainly uh, I don't think they were really using them like in that part of Utah. But we know that you know the Egyptians, uh, you know, uh, had boomerangs, and 
mm-hmm. you know, so so just just something as as simple as that, I think, kind of shows that um, you know there was an exchange of ideas all you know all over the globe. You know, uh, things passed on and and that sort of thing. It almost makes you wonder about like the form of communication. If there's some type of hidden technology that would also help them communicate. Or if it was just a matter of them being more advanced in travel than people give them credit for. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it could could be a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You know, it's uh, it, it's a it's a mystery. But uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, no nobody's ever uh, unless something drastically changes. Nobody's really ever going to get to the bottom of these mysteries because number one, you're not even allowed to look into it. You know, number two. Um, you know the the way the way things are anymore is uh you know so much uh so much things that go against the grain or or there's just such a big push for censorship and all of that that um you know i i don't know if a lot of these mysteries uh e- even can be solved you know the way the, the things are headed kind of uh flipping the script a little bit too um kind of want to touch a little bit at least on some paranormal stuff so uh what are some of the most like fascinating stories that you found as far as like paranormal goes yeah uh, some of the most fascinating uh, some of the most fascinating gosh it's hard to say uh and it, well i don't know if if you would really consider it paranormal or if you would put it um more like a natural anomalies I, I i don't know where you would put it but for me uh i just kind of put it off in the paranormal camp because nobody's really really come up with a good explanation and and that would be um your ghost lights and what i mean by that i'm talking places where there's just you know these these anomalous lights that that just sort of happen you know there's uh, down in the great dismal swamp in virginia there's these there's these weird lights that, uh, that, that take place sometimes. Um, some of your more famous examples would be like Brown Mountain, North Carolina. Um, just, just these bizarre lights and nobody, um, has any explanation that, um, you know, that, that, that makes any sense to me. I mean, most of the explanations that people come up with, it's, it's just BS. So, I mean, if, if you've been there and saw them, you know, like on Brown Mountain, for instance, I've been there twice, and like, well, uh, you just see these uh, over on the mountain. You just see these, just these weird lights just start. I mean, they're, they're different colors. Sometimes it looks like these spheres are just sort of floating around, you know, in a way that, uh, you know, nothing man-made could move. Um, you know, another good example is out in, um, out in Texas, out in Marfa, the Marfa mystery lights. Um, these, are, you know, when I saw these, I mean, they didn't behave the same way that the, uh, ones at Brown mountain did, but you know, there were still anomalous, anomalous lights, uh, just out on the desert after dark, you just see like these just these big flat i mean like bright as like an arc welder and and they just kind of would it's 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 hard to explain it would just kind of like elongate and like sort of turn and just just do just all this weird stuff like that that nothing can do i mean and and i i 
yeah, maybe there's some kind of natural phenomenon that uh, can account for it, but everything that I heard, uh, you know, you know, <laughs> doesn't add up to explain it. And, and there's other places in the country. Those are, you know, there's those are a couple examples that I can think of that um, that I, you know, that I've personally witnessed, and um, that's very baffling to me. That uh, you know, buddy. Um, he sees these weird lights. I, I, I don't want to say all the time, but very, very frequently. And where I'm located and, and where he, he's on the other side, but a little bit more south, we live along the Susquehanna River. And he always sees them in this one spot yeah. at, at night, you know, and, and it's just like hovering over the river. And as soon as he gets a little closer, boom, it just disappears. And he, he said this has happened to him probably like dozens of times. And, and even his wife, it, you know, she'll be traveling and I, I've seen, I've seen these lights. I've seen these lights and, and it's like really no pun intended. It's bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's there, you know, it, it's like a nationwide thing. I mean, it, you know, there, there are certain locations and, you know, and, and you're saying it's over the Susquehanna river there. You know, so maybe where he's at, there's, I don't know, you know how, like, there's these little localized little, uh, cold, you know, places where the air is colder, warmer pockets, and, mm -hmm. you know, and, and so, you know, you think that maybe that's got something to do with it, right? But, like, you know, like I said, down at Brown Mountain, man, you, you'll see these, I mean, they, they look like freaking beach balls just kind of like bouncing through the air and then they just disappear, or and you'll you'll see them they'll they'll start out white and then just go like 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 a real bright uh, uh yellow or or, or, or orange mm -hmm. and so okay yeah there's um you, you whatever natural explanation you you could throw out there i mean that's uh that's that's not um you know smoldering peat moss <laughs> making that or right or you know any number of other explanations and, and you know i'm not saying that it's aliens I mean, maybe it's aliens i don't know I, i'm not saying that i'm just saying what all the uh, all the debunker um you know uh explanations they throw out there just to me doesn't add up no and <laughs> I mean, and you, you hear of not just like the Brown Mountain case and what have you, but you can contribute it to even UFOs. I mean, you have the 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 lights that were witnessed over, you know, the Phoenix lights. And uh, I remember here, man, it was like early 90s. There was a report. Now, some debunked it as a military craft, but we had similar lights going down the Susquehanna River. And then uh, they came out and said, no, it was, uh, it was a military aircraft with its, with its landing gear lights on. And that didn't make any sense because then I later grew up and went into the Air Force and realized, okay, these big jets only have landing gear light on their landing gear, not all the way across their wings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and the weird thing, too, is you'll have you'll have areas that'll that'll just like have a rash of this stuff for a while and then it'll like kind of sort of go away like uh, you know i think back uh like in the late 80s um down in virginia down in southwestern virginia 
there was just this rash of uh, UFO sightings for, for like 18 months. And then it just sort of went away, you know, and it's it's like, you know, what the heck was going on and why why was it going on there? And, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's perplexing. Mm-hmm. Kind of like when we had the, uh, I don't know, the, the burst and, and, and uh, popularity of, of crop circles. And now you hardly ever hear anybody talk about crop circles. Oh, that was just two guys with planks on their legs going around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, you know, it, and it's so funny, though, like how the media will, you know, you'll, you'll have two jackasses that'll, you know, do some demonstration with their stupid planks. And then all of a sudden that explains everything, right? Like, like all the real geometrical uh-huh. fit. Yeah. So these two guys, I guess it was just their full-time job, you know, driving from one end of, uh, you know, <laughs> England to the other, just, just, just making these crop circles. I mean, it, it it's so stupid how the media will, will jump on the, uh, the, the debunker bandwagon, you know. Mm-hmm. Have you actually had any personal paranormal ghost encounters? Well, yeah. In yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't say, uh, I, I wouldn't say in, in my travels have I, um, but, um, I actually, um, you know, back in the, 2002 driving to work one night like there was just this um there was this guy i mean just like i mean just like out in the middle of nowhere that just like you know and i'm going about 60 miles an hour you know on us 29 just kind of um just materialized i mean literally like materialized in front of my truck and just kind of like diagonally walked across and I mean, like I was probably within an inch, inch or two of hitting him, you know, slam on my brakes. I'm shaking, freaking out, pull over, you know, look through my mirrors. He's gone. Like, look around. He's gone. Just like freaking vanished. Just like the, it's, I, I, I don't know. It, I still, when I think about it, I just, there, there was no broken down cars or no houses around there. It's just, it's just weird. And, and I mean, the dude looked like he was from, uh, you know, like straight out of like 93, you know, he had, he had a mullet, you know, he, he had his, uh, he had like a pocket t-shirt with a pack of cigarettes, you know, in it, you know, just, just everything about him, you know, scream like, you know, early nineties or something. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it was, uh, you know, some, some restless spirit of, you know, some guy with a mullet <laughs> walking around <laughs> route 29, but, um, it's, you know, it, it was, uh, it was, it was a really baffling deal. And, you know, my, my wife, she's, um, she's not really interested in this stuff like I am, but she's, um, I would say she's one of those people that are real sensitive to like energies and things. So like any time that we've been to, um, you know, been to a place that's kind of like known for hauntings or, or, or this or that, she always kind of, kind of picks up on stuff, you know, and, and she'll, she'll have some weird things happen. Like we were in this, um, we were in this building in, uh, in Winchester, Virginia, um, Piccadilly mansion. And, uh, 
you know, where she was sitting, we were, you know, we were having, you know, having some dinner there. And, you know, she felt like this big gust of, this cold gust of wind just blow by her. And she's like, oh, my God, did you feel that? And I'm like, no, I, I didn't feel nothing. And then the, uh, you know, the, the girl next to us like, oh, that's, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's where Colonel Patton stares out the window. Because there's, there's this longstanding Ooh. tale of, um, you know, Colonel Patton's, uh, um, George Patton's, I don't remember if it's his grandfather or his, his great uncle, but anyway, um, there's, there's like a local tale there, the, the Confederate in the window, and people will see a, a guy, you know, like in Confederate garb, staring out of that window, like right from where my wife was sitting. And uh, he actually died. I, I, can't, I can't remember. I think it was like the third battle of Kernstown. But anyway, it was one of those battles in Winchester. He was he was mortally wounded in, uh, in, in that Piccadilly mansion because all those old homes around there, you know, any big home like in these uh especially in the Shenandoah Valley, were probably used as a field hospital, um, you know, during the Civil War. Mm -hmm. And I think it took him like, it's like an agonizing death, you know. It took him like six nights to die. But, um, yeah, people uh, have always reported that Confederate in the window. And, uh, yeah, I think <laughs> I think Colonel Patton uh, brushed up against my wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that I recently... It was back in October. Uh, I hadn't been there in years, but a buddy of mine uh, and myself went down to Gettysburg and did a haunted uh, tour of this. It's a famous orphanage um, from the time and what have you. I didn't really pick up on anything. We did have some some cool things come through. Yeah. You know, uh, it's an app on a on a phone that you know an EVP recorder or whatever. But you know, certain things came through. But it it, it was neat. And, but from my standpoint, I was just like trying to put myself what it was like back in that time. And then you start feeling kind of like, Ooh, okay. Yeah. Uh, not creeped out, but just like you get that, that nostalgic feeling. Yeah. And when we were torn the battlefield, I kept feeling all these different energies, like excited, not necessarily angry, but just like anxious or whatever. And, and I was just like, wow, this is, this is. It, it was neat. It was an experience for sure. Now you're, you're right. Like, uh, you know, like I said, my wife is, re I don't know what the word is. I, I wouldn't say she's an empath or anything. Cause like I said, she don't, she don't give a shit about any of this stuff. She just kind of humors me and will come along, but she's very sensitive to, and just always, if there's a, if one of us is going to catch a picture of a ghost on her phone it's going to be her she's always had had just like weird stuff but but even for myself though i mean i i, I am able to kind of pick up like you said just like on the general energy of an area and, and like um you know especially you know a lot of those battlefields along the shenandoah valley um you know the shenandoah valley i mean it was just uh, i mean back then it was just a violent uh, i mean there's just the and, and the civil war i mean it was it was just so violent and and you know this is this is like close up you know stabbing people with bayonets i mean it's not blowing people up with a drone you know i mean this is up close and personal kind of combat that went on back then and and you know 
like when I'll go out on some of these battlefields, uh, and, and a lot of times, man, you can go to these places and just, just be totally alone and just kind of, you know, you know, just kind of let, let your, let your noise from walking kind of settle down and just, just kind of stand there and just, just kind of hang out, you know, five or 10 minutes. And, you know, you can just kind of, you can just kind of feel you just, uh, like I'll get, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say, kind of getting, I'm not going to say like a bad or depressed mood, but like a real somber, heavy feeling will kind of mm-hmm. come over me. And, and yeah, you're right, man. You, and you, you think about, um, you know, like at, uh, like at new market down there in uh, Shenandoah County, they had, um, they had all these boys and they were, they were boys, uh, uh, a group of, uh, a battalion of cadets that came up from, uh, VMI in that battle. And I mean, some of these boys were, I mean, they're 15 years old. Like the oldest one, I, I think that, uh, that got killed there was like maybe 21, but I mean, most of them were like, you know, 17 years old and, you know, 16 years old. And it's, you know, you know, you think about that and, you know, you know, I think about, <laughs> think about my, my worthless kids, <laughs> you know, out there. It's like, you know, you know, putting them out there that, uh, in, in that position, you know, it's, it's, it's really heartbreaking and, you know, you can, you can really feel it. Yeah, for sure. Um, how, how far out what have, I don't know. Have you made it close to uh skinwalker ranch in your travel yeah so that uh if you, if you remember a second ago i mentioned vernal utah where those uh petroglyphs are so skinwalker ranch is just like kind of on the outskirts of vernal but it's i mean it's all private property you you, you know you can't mm-hmm. uh you know un, un, unless it's changed since i was there you know you just you just can't get on there but um yeah like that is a very cool area it's it's one of the it's one of the favorite places i've been so far i mean i didn't um didn't really see any kind of uh you know like anomalous lights uh ufo or or, or anything like that out there but it's it's a very cool place and um you know like i said there's uh all over that area there's just these uh really cool bizarre petroglyphs uh not far from the skinwalker ranch there's a dinosaur national monument and uh you know most people go there for the uh for the dinosaur discoveries there's a you know there's a bone quarry where you can see all these uh, dinosaur bones in in situ there and that's all really cool but throughout the park there's uh you know, there's all kinds of petroglyphs and, uh, some, some of them, like I was talking about those bizarre petroglyphs that look like aliens and, and, and that sort of thing. They're, mm-hmm. they're all over right there. And, you know, kind of with the, and, and I thought about that sort of with that, uh, you know, proximity to uh, skinwalker ranch, if, you know, if some of those weird petroglyphs I'm seeing might somehow be related to that, I, I don't know. Very well could be. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know where your belief is, but I, I don't know. I, we, I believe we were really far advanced at one point, and I also believe we had help from aliens, just in, in layman's terms. You know what I mean? So when when these people were drawing these you know, pictographs and, 
and what have you they didn't really have much to go off of. you know they didn't have technology like we have today they don't they didn't know what an airplane was or a car or whatever and they could only draw it to their best ability of what they've seen in their in you know their day-to-day life so I, when you look at these things and and you're like man that looks like a an alien's head or whatever it very well could have been well I, you know i think i think so and i i kind of I, I kind of come down uh, along the same lines that you do, that we'd had some sort of um, ancient visitation, right? And, and by aliens, I mean, it might not necessarily be the little uh, the, the little green men type deal, you know? I mean, they, they, they right. could look just like us. I mean, they, they could have been us, you know, from Mars or something. Maybe there was a civilization mm-hmm. there, uh, you know, um, I don't know. I just know that I think that we were visited by an advanced culture. You, you can call them aliens. You can call them whatever you want to, but uh, it, in in the remote past, and uh, I think that they, um, you know, that they were. Uh, I don't. I. What do you want to say that they that they kind of kind of gave us a boost in our development, this or that? I think that they lived alongside us. Um, you know, for, for a period of time, I think that's where you get your, um, you know, your religions, right. You get those stories of, uh, these golden ages, you know, uh, that, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I even think that, um, you know, if you look, if you look in the Bible, right. The, uh, the, uh, the tales in Genesis where the sons of God, um, you know, intermarried with, with human women. I, I think that's what that's talking about. These, these advanced beings. And that's why I say, I don't think they were these little green men, right? I think they were just like us. No. I just, you know, they were, cause the, the tales that they, um, you know, produce children, you know, with, uh, with human women. So yeah, I, I, that, that's kind of where I come down. I mean, <clears throat> whether you look at it from like a biblical perspective or you look at it from a, like a real world perspective, I guess, um, where it could be like aliens, theoretically, um, getting into the, like the giants concept. Um, they could honestly be just descendants of extraterrestrials with human beings or with, uh, you know, anything biblical, you know, usually it's, it's the Nephilim is usually what yeah. it's referred to with, but, uh, yeah, th- th- they could all just be descendants of that. Or the other option that I was kind of thinking of too is that uh, these advanced cultures, uh, we've all heard that there's been multiple cataclysms that have happened and humans from most of the stories seem to have went underground. That's why you find all of these giant underground built cities and things. Um, I mean, if they were an advanced civilization and they brought their technology down, um, I mean, they could could theoretically be staying there. Um, they may not be exactly like us. They could be like a totally different type of being that existed before, but uh, maybe they almost feel bad for us because we're the new surface dwellers. So they try to like give us stuff hoping that when the next great cataclysm happens, that we'll at least be able to keep some of our population alive like they're continuing to do. So, I mean, they can not even be coming from anywhere extraterrestrial. They could be within different layers of the world, you know, or hidden in certain locations throughout the world, and then they just drop us technology as they feel that we might be able to need and use it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's an interesting point, and that's, uh, you know, some, some other people have uh, brought that up with me, like, uh, and, and they would say it more like, like yeah, I, I kind of believe the whole alien thing, but I don't believe they're they're necessarily coming for from space, but maybe coming from like inside the Earth or you know underneath the oceans, uh, that sort of thing. And I mean, uh, I I think it's it's plausible. 
I mean, getting into, you know, like the underwater oceans and things like that, where people have found water that's underwater, but it's too buoyant that they can't get anything in it. Or at least as far as I know, nobody's actually been able to get into these things. Um, theoretically, maybe it's not water underwater. It might be some type of advanced technology where there is an advanced race that's keeping itself safe down in there. But from the surface, it just looks like water. But as soon as you get past that layer that we haven't been able to get past, then all of a sudden there's this whole civilization that might be down there. And the guy that found it, found it completely on accident when he was filming some other type of documentary. And I think it was like two weeks later, uh, he got into a, you know, random helicopter crash and, Hmm, you know, kind (laughs) of cut off his research on that one. (laughs) That's strange. (laughs) And I mean, even with the UFO phenomenon, there's a lot of it seen coming from the water. So, I mean, I don't know. I like to entertain the idea that maybe they're living within these the water underwater (laughs) or as we perceive it as water underwater and yeah not too long ago i kind of kind of went back to you know some of the old classic uh i guess some of the old classic literature and i read uh ivan sanderson's book i think it was 1974 was it called invisible it's got like a really long title but the the short part of the title i think is invisible residence yeah and he just goes into this whole whole deal about how you know, you know, maybe we shouldn't so much be looking up in the skies as we should be looking uh, underwater for, for some sort of advanced uh, civilization. I mean, theoretically speaking, too, that's if there is anything that was going to happen, even just like meteors hitting the planet, the safest place to be is underneath a layer of something. So rather than building up as is civilization, <laughs> honestly, start building down because that's the stuff that'll end up being safe and actually survive a cataclysm. Yeah, that's that's a great, that's an excellent point. But uh, kind of getting into the other side of things too, um, you know, of course you're a writer, so I wanted to uh, take a little bit of time to kind of talk about a few of your books um, so that, you know, people kind of have an idea of what to look out for if they're interested in reading some of your books. So uh, I guess what are some of your personal favorite books that you've written and uh, what are they about? Kind of like a rough idea to give the listeners an idea of what of what they're getting themselves into by reading the book. Okay, well, um, so some of my favorites. Uh, I I wrote a book um, September uh, twenty twenty. It came out, Giants, Men of Renown, and so basically, it's uh, it's about giants. And, and what I kind of do in that book is uh, really try to. Um, I think it's it's set apart a little bit from uh, from a lot of the other books on giants out there in that I don't um, really go through every newspaper article that ever existed that uh, you know is a discovery of giant bones. I mean, you know, I, I got a little bit of that in there, but I kind of look at uh, some of the religions of the world, uh, you know, a lot of the the religious texts and you know their tales of giants, and then I got a section on some historical encounters with you know folks of extremely large stature like for instance when the you know the portuguese and and, and the spanish down in uh, patagonia like like when they first started going down there they had reported people you know 12 feet tall you know and and even even as late as uh, the 1800s, uh, you know, the English were were telling of people that were, you know, seven and a half feet tall, uh, that sort of thing. So I go into some of those historical en- encounters, and then and then toward the end of the book, I just sort of 
uh, it's it's uh, sort of like a, a miscellaneous part, kind of trying to wrap it all up a little bit. I, I talk kind of kind of how we were talking about earlier, how uh, you know a, a theory that makes a lot of sense to me is that we had some sort of extraterrestrial visitors in the past, and how that can uh, I think account for the, uh, the the giant phenomenon. So that's that's one of my favorites. Uh, I mean, I worked. It took me three years to put that one together. I kind of had to uh, put it aside for a while, but, you know, it worked really hard on it. There was, a, you know, just a whole lot that went into, you know, kind of documenting my, my sources and that sort of thing. So um, that one is uh, you know, one of my favorites I've written. And uh, another one that I, that I really like a whole lot is uh strange tales from virginia's mountains uh that came out in uh 2021 and you know for you folks out there maybe you know maybe you don't know anything about virginia or care about anything from virginia i, I know it sounds kind of like a like a local interest book and and, it, and it's sort of marketed that way and it is but you know if you like cryptid tales or you know just just weird tales it it's a really cool book it, it's a it's a lot of fun and and i think you'll enjoy it i i talk about everything from you know, Bigfoot and devil monkeys in Virginia to uh, talk about the Shenandoah National Park, the uh, the dark side of Shenandoah National Park, how there's a lot of, you know, uh, there's been a lot of murders and disappearances there. Um, you know, the founding of the park, uh, residents were, were literally the government just you know, just kicked about 2,500 people off their land, and, and, and most of them didn't even get compensated for their land. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't know that. I, I go into that in the book. So that's a, that's a fun book, and, um, yeah, I hope people will, will check both of those out for sure. Uh, speaking about your books, one of my personal favorites, which is the reason why I originally uh, messaged you to come on my show, was the um, the Giants book that you wrote. So just off of me and what I enjoy reading, I definitely highly recommend that book. And uh, honestly, I've read a few of your books, and they're all pretty fascinating. And it's particularly when you're, you're bringing up the Virginia one, it seems like that whole area is rampant with cryptids. And anybody that's into cryptids will pro probably more than likely gravitate towards that book, even if they're from the opposite side of the country. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of what I'm hoping. I mean, like I said, that one, uh, at that one, I actually, uh, you know, uh, the, the history press published that one. So they really only mar marketed in Virginia, but the, the cool thing about it, you know, you can, you can go to bookstores all over Virginia and pick that book up. Unlike a lot of my self published stuff that you can only get on Amazon. I mean, this, you can, you can, you can, uh, hell you can go like into an ace hardware and, and like like pick it up so that, that's kind of cool the way that they market that on on a local level but i try to tell folks you know my you know people that follow me on social media or or or, or what have you that uh, this is you know it's a book that it's, it's a fun read you know for anybody because i mean i've got uh, tales of buried treasure in there um, you know like it's got the ufos cryptids what have you so it, it's a fun book no matter uh, no matter where you're from so uh kind of branching into uh i guess more of like your book side of things and your writing side of things um was there any particular books that you read that sparked your fascination into this type of stuff? And if so, what were those books? 
Um, because I'm sure that the listeners would definitely love to dig into them if they haven't already heard of the, these books. <laughs> okay, so books, gosh, I mean, I, I've read so many and I read so many, but um, so I would. I would tell everybody to read um, some of your old books. I mean, like, I really, you know, you can't go wrong with, um, you know, Von Daniken's Chariots of the Gods. You know, you just you just can't go wrong. You you can't uh, you can't go wrong with uh, with some of your old uh, Zechariah Sitchin books. Now, that doesn't mean that I agree with everything that's in those books, but you know, even things that I don't agree with. I mean, I think you can pull pieces of truth um, out of them. I really like. Um, um william bramley um the gods of eden uh, i think that came out in 94 uh, that's a really good book um you know if you happen to believe that there's um you know hidden forces um uh, kind of pulling the strings whether it be you know the, the government uh you know the, the the world elite you know he really gets into that and how um extraterrestrials uh you know might have been interfering you know, in our planet since, uh, you know, since the beginning of human history and is still doing it. That's a great book. Um, John Keel's books, of course. I mean, uh, maybe my favorite would be um, uh, uh, Operation Trojan Horse. I think that's uh, that that's uh, much better, I think, than than uh, than the Mothman prophecies. Um, th those are those are a couple of my um my top ones but i mean you know you could ask me a week later and i'd i'd, I'd <laughs> list off three or four different ones probably we're just uh looking on i i just did a quick google search i didn't realize you had like almost what six or seven books oh out. yeah i got a bunch of them i shoot i think it probably up around 11 or 12 now i've got a i've got a little um self-published series that i have that's uh come prizes the bulk of my books it's my uh you know my my travel series and you know i don't really promote it real hard because i just get so tired of hey read read my books read my books. so i just i just get so <laughs> tired of the the promotion you know what i'm saying aspect of things that i i probably hadn't really promoted those books like i should but yeah, that's, uh, you know, kind of, uh, cover some of my travels and, uh, you know, I, I call it a paranormal travel series if, if there's such a thing, but, uh, I've got, uh, six, six books in, in that series now. And, um, you know, like I said, they're, uh, that the, uh, is that the series that is that you talk about, uh, that you wrote about, um, uh, Atlantic yes, city? Yes. Yeah. That's, that's all that my, my okay. latest one in that series, uh, uh, delves into my travels in florida and uh you know th those books are a lot of fun you know they uh they they cover anything from like local cryptids to you know just sort of my my rambling thoughts on, <laughs> on things and uh i try to kind of capture what what these areas are all about as best as i can need to get my hands on 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 a book yeah, I mean, any anyone you want, I'll, uh, you know, I can either send you a PDF or if I've if I've got, I, I don't really have many physical copies anymore since I since I'm living in the RV, I, I can't kind of carry a light load. But if uh, if you like, uh, 
if you like uh, digital copies, okay, uh, I can send you anything you want. Gotcha. So uh, kind of, I guess, starting to wrap towards the end a bit. Um, for anybody that wants to come and find your books, uh, you said the best place to get them is either on your website or through Amazon? Yeah, I just, uh, there's there's links to everything I do uh, on my website. And, you know, that'll that'll take you to the Amazon page or the publisher's page. So um, that's, a, that's a good way to go. You can just look me up on Amazon. Everything I do is is on Amazon. What's the name of your website? Uh, DenverMichaels.net. It's not .com because some freaking guy had <laughs> had the <laughs> .com and I would have had to pay like, I don't know, like 100 bucks to get it. So I'm like, ah, screw it. I'll, I'll go with .net. <laughs> so I, uh, I really appreciate you making the time to come on the show today and uh, definitely would love to have you back on in the future. And uh, maybe we can kind of dig into specific topics uh, through a couple of your books uh, after a ghost gets a chance to read a few of them. Yeah, man. Any anytime you wanna you wanna have me on, you know how to get a hold of me. So it's it's always uh, good good catching up with you. Oh yeah, definitely. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, if you did, and you have an encounter, share it with us. Uh, hit us up on social media. You can, you know, maybe even send us an email. You know what whatever you want to do, but. You know, share share your encounters with us. Come on, and uh, we'll have a nice, honest, open discussion. And it's a judgment free zone. And if uh, you don't want your voice to be recognized, like we referenced in the beginning of the show, I have the technology to alter your voice. Uh, you know, just just come and talk to us about it. Like, if there's anything that in particular that you want done a certain way, like we're more than happy to coordinate with you. So you know, don't be afraid. Drop us a message, and uh, let's coordinate something. Let's figure something out. And uh, if you're interested in being a guest on the show. Uh, if you would like to sponsor the show, um, if there's a topic that you really want to see covered on one of our more like dive episode type shows, or if there's a guest that you really want to see on the show for our interview style shows, um, or altogether, if there's anything that you feel you can contribute to the show, because, you know, some of the best people that I've uh, met as far as like our show go, like the socio beat, giving him another shout out, the guy who made our intro and outro for this show. Um, I literally met just because he, uh, he messaged me. So you never know, man. And it's always appreciated. Like I definitely give back to him just as much as he helps me out. So, you know, let's, let, let's form a friendship. Let's do some cool stuff. So if there's anything that you feel that you can contribute to the show, or if there's anything else that you want to say to us, what's the email? Uh, you can hit us up at bizarre encounters at outlook.com. That's bizarre with uh, two R's all one word, bizarre encounters at outlook.com. And uh, if you're not all about the whole email process of things, you can definitely, uh, no, shoot us a message on Instagram. And uh, if you want to come and check out anything that we've referenced today, any of our links, social media, Telegram, uh, email, uh, other shows, all that fun stuff, just come and check out the uh, Bizarre Encounters link tree. Uh, for that, it's going to be L-I-N-K-T-R period E-E slash Bizarre Encounters. And like Ghost said, that's two R's because Bizarre is spelt multiple different ways. But the way that we spell it is uh, something weird that entices you and has so that you have an interest in it. It's not like, you know, like a bizarre market. It's that we're using it in that way, shape and form. So definitely uh, make sure you type that right. And if uh, you're worried about not typing it correctly, all of that will be available down in the show description. And until next week, everybody, make sure you just stay bizarre. Bizarre.